Hey everybody, this is Dave the Bearded Menace Valle reporting to you from my uh, house. A few things got out of the way before we start the podcast tonight. Um, first things first, thanks for staying up late with us trying while we got our stuff together. Secondly, it is New York Comic Con weekend. That's right, this week tons of us geeks are in a band together to show up at the Javits Center in New York City. You can trust that me and, me and our trusted leader Sergio will be there. We will be in costume both Saturday and Sunday, and we will have posted on our on our um, Instagram page what we're going to be, be in costume, but be sure to find us on Friday because that's when we will be doing our photography that day, so find us, we take a photo of you, and we guarantee you will be on the site. Second thing to get out of the way, it's also the same weekend as the Star Wars Battlefront Beta, and you can trust that I'm really excited about it, so you can definitely download it on the PSN, on the PSN Marketplace. Xbox One, uh, Xbox Live Marketplace also, and also the P- via PC via Origins. So definitely pick it up as soon as you can and start playing. And I'll see you guys in the battlefield. And from now, yeah, enjoy our podcast. Hello everyone, and welcome to issue number 22 of the Bad Coyote Funky Podcast. Tonight we got an abridged cast. Uh, We have the Beater Menace Dave. Yo! And of course you all know me, I'll be your host for the evening, Booster Greg. Um, Tonight, as Dave was saying earlier, it it is the start of New York Comic Con. Uh, A lot of people who got the four-day passes enjoyed uh, seeing the creator of Naruto. Uh, live and doing sketches of the Pervy Sage and Naruto himself, yep. as I know Dave did. So, because of this huge nerd event going on, most of the nerds are there. I'm, I was unable to get a ticket because of those goddamn scalpers, which kind of sucks. Uh, and I know Dave is going to be there tomorrow. So, tonight you're treated with just Dave and myself talking about horror gaming. And yes, even though it's, it's since it's the two of us, we will be a bit more. Um romantic about it so right now mm. i am drinking wine Ooh. i am drinking something that tastes like roofies don't know why don't know how it got in there but it's good roofies don't have flavor at least i don't think at least the ones uh, i've ever tried don't have flavor then what am i drinking well regardless anyways <laughs> um surge is already going god damn it <laughs> um so tonight on uh, on Sunday we talked about some notable mentions for horror gaming, um, some things that we particularly enjoyed. Not our favorites necessarily, but games that we really liked that either changed how we thought gaming was, or even our first foray into horror gaming. Uh, I know we talked about Ghosts and Goblins, Castlevania. Um, what was yours again? It was Splatterhouse, right, Dave? Yep, it was definitely Splatterhouse that got Splatterhouse. me into the whole. Uh horror game genre yeah and uh we heard we had a pretty good banter heard a lot more about other things so definitely go back and listen to that uh also because it's a shorter cast tonight guys we might cut it a little short we're not sure yet uh we'll see how long it goes but um pretty much horror gaming it's one of those it's one of those genres that not everyone can get into just like horror movies like you have to be 
a special kind of crazy to really enjoy those, I feel like. <laughs> um, to say the least, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little, little, you know, a little wonky. A lot of these games are very unique. Their monster designs are just unbelievably detailed. And that's what I think really makes a true horror game. Um, the protagonists are usually silent or useless or both. Um, and you're really just kind of kind of outnumbered and outmanned in every possible way which is what i think is really cool about horror games and what i think is especially notable about dave's favorite uh dave why don't you tell us what your favorite horror game is so it's kind of hard to say what it is without bringing up the entire series so Mm -hmm. the entire series of horror gaming for me will always be silent hill Mm. Now, when I first started the traditional survival horror game genre, it was with Resident Evil, as all of us did. Because mm-hmm. that's generally where survival horror really more or less started for the 32-bit era. Um, but what really changed the game was Silent Hill. Because unlike in Resident Evil, where you were fighting zombies and it was just like something like biological, in Silent Hill, it was something completely different it was like mystical magical Mm. demon you know it really built on your fears Mm. almost psychological too oh to the heck yeah to the Uh. point where um i'll never forget playing the first silent hill and my dog barking at the screen just because of the stuff that was on there oh yeah like shit like that but for my favorite favorite survival horror game from that series in in general completely is um silent hill the room now Mm -hmm. What made the room interesting was it was one it was the first Silent Hill to have the first person view mode in it. Now, you didn't play first person view for most of it. You only played per, you only played first person view when you were in the actual room itself. Mm-hmm. And the only thing you knew about the story was you're just some guy. I, I forget the guy's the main character's name, but um, you wake up in the room in your apartment pretty much, and you're stuck there. You can't get out because like the door is completely chained shut, mm-hmm. and. You can look out the window and see stuff out the window in a rack. You can go into the bathroom, go in the bathroom, and that's pretty much it, you know? And I'm trying to remember how you would get into, like, the demon world. You weren't really in Silent Hill. You were, like, in a town that surrounds Silent Hill. So the evil was pretty much leaking out of Silent Hill. Oh, that's and affecting, cool. Yeah, and affecting this guy for some ungodly reason. And... um. <laughs> So you're in the room, things change up. You can actually look like out into the hallways, like through like little people. Or there's even another spot where there's like a hole there's like a hole in the um there's a hole in the wall and you look through the hole in the wall and you can actually see into his girl's room. And like the creepy part about it is when you look into the hole in the ro- in the wall, there's like a little teddy bear just like laying down like on her bed. Hmm. And she's walking around and all that stuff, blah blah blah. And then when you look out and look back in, the teddy bear's sitting up and staring at the hole. So it's like stuff like that, and then when you actually go into like the demon world or whatever you want to call it, the night, the nightmare world, um, it was one of the first ga- Silent Hill games that actually added ghosts to it. Now, where before it was like kind of like monsters you were fighting, now you had ghosts, and the ghosts would, excuse me, would like come through the walls and like a ghost would just come through the walls, fuck with you. You can't even hurt it. You can't do any damage to it. You just have to run away because it can do deal damage to you. Ooh. And other characters you would meet in the story would end up dying in front of you. And then you would have to deal with their ghosts later on. And oh, that's each, cool. Yeah, and it was horrible. And then, like, as the as it progressed in the story, 
you would there'd be parts where like you're actually like in the room and you look out the window like basically like the first level you're like in a subway and this girl I think her name was uh, Amanda or something like that I forget what her name was but basically she dies on you and then when you wake up back in your room you look out the window and there's actually ambulances around like the subway where like outside so it's like you went to like the hell world and whatever happened in the hell world affects what happens in the real world so she's dead, and when you go back there to that that one level, that subway, you have to deal with her ghost, like crawling around the, crawling around the floor, like the girl from the ring. Yeah, and yeah. They would do shit to you, like when you would walk by, like a, like when you would walk by, like these uh, pay phones, they would ring for no reason, just for no reason, just because, you know, just to had, creep you out. <laughs> yeah, and it was loud as shit, and it had nothing to do with the story whatsoever. They would just fucking ring. <laughs> so you had to you had to deal with that. And then what else did you have to deal with? Um, just, I mean, of course, it was extensive as, like, a Silent Hill game is. And I do believe Pyramid Head was in there. And, of course, he was chasing you around. Mm. And just just creepy shit. And, of course, nothing ever made sense until you beat the game, which I never did. Um, just because there are some points where I just couldn't play. And I had to put the controller down and not touch it. Yeah. And to this day, it just haunts me, some of the stuff you had to go through. Like... I might be confusing with another Silent Hill game, I'm not sure, but there's a part where you walk into a room and you just basically see the main character, the guy, just, you know, looking at the camera. So, of course, you have to walk further to change the camera view. So, when you walk further to change the camera view, it just changes to the behind the guy now, and now there's this giant face in front of you. Mm-hmm. Of, like, one of the main characters, and she's hidden, she's being tortured. And, like, so it's just her face watching you all bloodied up and gored up and whatnot, and her eyes follow you everywhere you move in the room. And it's just like little shit like that. Or when you're actually in the room and you turn around and you look at a window, a, a head for no reason just floats by the window. A severed head just Jeez. just because. Yeah, just, just because. There's no reason for it to go by, but it just goes by. Or there's like a knock on the wall or the walls start bleeding or just some really, really fucked up shit. Like if you can ever find like the trailer for Silent Hill, the room, the trailer alone is fucking scary. So yeah. Yeah, the, the main character's name was Henry. Henry, ah, Henry. thank you. Henry Townshend or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's... I, it's interesting you chose that one, too, because based on a lot of people that I've talked to, that's one of the least favorite uh, amongst Silent Hill fans, but it's definitely the concept for me is very intriguing. It's just usually Silent Hill. Uh, everyone knows and loves it as you literally go walk around Silent Hill, and on this one, which is the fourth one, they definitely tried to do something different. Um, Which is where I can see like why fans hate it, and also yeah. the other fact was you're not even in Silent Hill; you're just one of the surrounding towns by Silent Hill, right? And this shit just leaks into it. So, and it's really not attached to the main story at all, really. I mean, even Silent Hill Two wasn't part of the main story either, mm-hmm. but at least in Silent Hill Two, we were still in Silent Hill, mm. and it did change a lot of the game dynamics. But it was just. To me, it was the scariest, I feel. Like, I feel like that's what they really try to get scary with you with some of the shit they threw at you. Well, sure. I mean, like, the whole concept is even more frightening than normal Silent Hill. I mean, normal Silent Hill is a place that you go to and you know you're going to get fucked with when you go there. Like, so you, if you were to have a nightmare about it, you could avoid that whole town and just have a dream instead of a nightmare. You're like, no, I'm not going to Silent Hill. I'm going this way instead. Whereas uh, the room, the concept of it is it's this guy henry's this is his apartment that he lives in and it just gets possessed and overrun and you know silent hill itself leaks into 
his home, a place that should be a safe zone, you know? And what's more terrifying than that? A place that you live in every day that you take advantage of the safety. Yeah. You know, what's scarier than something that you can't control leaking in and just like ghosts coming out of the wallpaper. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Oh God. And being locked you. in that room too. And what's worse is when you look out like the window of the room or you look out the door, everything is normal. Everything is fine. There's nothing wrong outside. Cars are going by. It's mm. raining. Everything outside the room is perfect. In the room is where shit's fucked. And like, there's a part when you can start going back to the demon world is when you go into the bathroom, there's like this giant like gaping hole in the wall. Jeez. And there's like horrible sounds coming out of it. I think you hear like people crying or something like that. And to go back in the demon world, you have to crawl basically into the hole to get back into the demon world. And it's just like, shit you shouldn't have to do, you do in this goddamn game. Yeah, dude, that's, you know? that's intense. Um, yeah, and Silent Hill is just known for, for horror, too. Like, the, the movie was even scary. Like, that's one of the few uh, video games that were made into movies that was actually good. Yeah, because they kind of made it for... I mean, they did change some things around, but they basically made it for the fans. Like, Oh, sure, yeah. You know, which was the great part about it. Like, the Resident Evil movie, I don't know who they made that for, but definitely wasn't for the fans. Oh, yeah. Definitely and, not. But Silent Hill, even my brother said the Silent Hill movie scared the shit out of him. He's like, I wouldn't play that game. Fuck that. Right. <laughs> and and I, I remember we talked about it on a previous podcast. There was, um, I had played Silent Hill 2 on my computer uh, back in the college days. And I remember, I don't I don't remember who was there. I want to say it was uh, my roommate at the time and maybe a couple other people. We were walking around. We were just like sitting around the computer kind of making fun of it. You know, be like, oh, that's not scary. Pyramid head. What a doofus. Stuff like that. And then um, they had left because it was getting really late. So I ended up kind of playing on my own just to solve some of the puzzles and go through it. And man, when you play these games when the lights are out and it's just you and a pair of surround sound headphones on, it is a much different game. Hell yeah. Pyramid Head is not a giant doofus when that happens. I remember when I was playing Silent Hill 2, it was like, I, I didn't like have a working t- a good TV at the time for my PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Or for my, I think it was on Xbox actually, now I think about it. Yeah, it was on the Xbox. So I had to plug it into like the TV in the kitchen, you know, play it. Mm. So here I am playing on the TV in the kitchen. And what's worse is... Usually when you're playing a video game, you're either in your room or somewhere where at least your back is resting on a wall or something, right? Oh, you know? Sure. Oh, sure, yeah. Most of us have that. Even when you were kids, you were just playing in the one game room. Yeah. I'm playing in my kitchen, and what's behind me is the rest of the house. Oh, God. So I could feel, like, every time something coming up behind me, and you know, while playing. Even though there's nothing there, you know? Yeah. There's my fear of playing tricks with me. It's like just feeling that, you know? Mm. Um, I don't know if you remember, but there's like one part in Silent Hill 2, especially. They, I think they put in there just to fuck with you. But um, in the beginning of the game, when you're going through that little, that little park area, mm-hmm. there's like a door you go to, and the door is locked. And it says it's locked from the inside. So mm. you just leave it alone. And then, like, hours later in the game, you go to like this tower, and you just keep on like climbing down and falling down this fucking tower. Mm hmm. And when you get to the bottom, there's a door, and then you just click it, and it says you've unlocked it, and you step out, and you're at the beginning of the game again for no reason. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> for no reason. It's like, and you had no reason. I don't think there was a reason to go down this fucking tower at all. 
And the tower was nowhere connected to where this door was, if I remember correctly. It was like nowhere near where where you were and where that door is were two completely opposite spots. Well, I think it was more of a mental state kind of thing where they were saying no matter how much time you put into this game, no matter how many weapons you get, no matter how um, much you think you've progressed in Silent Hill, you're always at the beginning. You will never yeah. get be- you will never be better at Silent Hill than Silent <laughs> Hill itself. I know. Uh, I think they did it just to fuck with us. Because I and do that, remember that, yeah. And that's why it makes me so sad that we're not going to see Silent Hills anymore. It just, uh makes me so sad. And I was, this morning when I was actually downloading Battlefront, I went to go look for the um, PT, the play- playable trailer. Because mm-hmm. I, ra- I never erased it at all. And it's gone. Like, I guess I lost, like, the um, permission to have it. You know what I mean? Because it's, like, it's completely out of my PlayStation. Completely. You might have deleted it and forgot about it. Because mine's no. still mine's still on there, and I can still play it. I don't think I would have deleted that, honestly. You might have just to save space, because a lot of people did. <sighs> it's possible. It's very, very possible. Yeah. And I just forgot about it, but I thought I never deleted it. But you're right. I probably did delete it and forgot about it. But still, it's like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Damn yeah. it. I was, thinking about, I was thinking about going back and playing it, but... I just didn't have the time this week with all the stuff, all the Destiny stuff happening and work and all that, all that kind of good stuff. Reading comics, I've been we try to keep keep up on Alias so we can all talk about uh, Jessica Jones when it comes out, which I'm super pumped about. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to take a minute to talk about what my favorite game is, or at least Fire my favorite Wizard. my favorite horror game, and it's Alan Wake for the Xbox 360 and for PC. Uh, for those of you who have never heard of Alan Wake, it's understandable. It's one of those games that kind of flew under everyone's radar. It's a very uh, Stephen King inspired. And they even actually quote Stephen King in the beginning of the game as well. But uh, essentially you play this author whose name is Alan Wake. And he's pretty much the Stephen King of this whole world he's a lot younger though and he you know, he's kind of like a studly-ish looking kind of guy but he's an author he writes not only horror but other things as well he decides to take his him and his girlfriend on a vacation to i think it's maine or massachusetts or something like that and um on the way there's this huge fog going on so they get in a car crash and it's like a horrible one and he wakes everyone's unconscious he wakes up when he wakes up his girlfriend is missing doesn't know where she is there are papers of a manuscript flying everywhere so he kind of walks around he picks one up and he reads it and realizes that he wrote this manuscript and he has no recollection of writing it and not only is that the case, but he also, um, it also details what happened up to the car crash. It's really cool. No shit. Yeah. So then he starts kind of following the manuscripts and he finds out that um, there's these like possessed main fishermen kind of thing going on that are trying to kill him. And the only thing that will work is against them is his flashlight so essentially they have this cool gaming mechanic where they have shields that can go down by with a flashlight the flashlight does have battery power though so you can't have it on all the time and once you get their their shadow their shadow possessions down you can shoot them in the head because there's normal people at that point and that will kind of get everything going 
So light is your ally in this. It's really cool. Um, the graphics on it were great for Xbox 360. And actually, a lot of PCs at the time that were considered higher end had difficulty running Alan Wake. So really? It, yeah, it was definitely a well-made game. It was by uh, the studio called Remedy. Mm-hmm. Um, who haven't really done too much. They did um, American Nightmare, which was a spinoff to Alan Wake. And uh, they're actually working on that game, Quantum Break, which is supposed to be coming out hopefully next year for Xbox One. And it's gone through a lot of iterations. The, the Alan Wake is, is the one game where when I was working at GameStop and people were like, I have an Xbox 360 because it was a 360 exclusive and for PC. It never came out on PS3. They go, I have a PC or I have an Xbox 360. I need a game to play. Like, what should I play? I would point to Alan Wake. And the majority of the time, like 99% of the time, they had not played it. And I think I've only ever had one or two copies returned to me because they didn't like it. So it was one of those things where it's just like the majority of people who played this loved it. It's definitely one of those underrated games that not a lot of people kind of uh got into when it came out which was a shame because it looks great it plays great it has it's a third person over the shoulder shooter um, with a lot of horror elements and there are a lot of parts too and it, it gets to a point at the end which is awesome where you start asking the question is this really happening to alan wake or is he just crazy and there's even like a part where he blacks out and when he comes to he's in a mental institution it's like, so you're like, whoa, maybe he is crazy. Maybe he just like went on this murderous rampage and now like, you know, he's just going to be in this home forever. And then you kind of get out of that. You actually in that home too, Dave, you'll like this. You meet these two old men. One's name is um, Yodin and the other one's name is Thor. And it's pretty much Odin and Thor. And they're these That's like, awesome. they're these, they're these crazy old like metalheads. Uh-huh. And there's this scene in it uh, at the end. When you get to the, their, you, you find their house, which is like in the middle of the boonies in Maine, and they have this like giant stage erected because they were like, I guess they were in a band or something like that. And you turn it on and make all this noise, and all of like the possessed fishermen and all the demons and stuff come at you. So it's like a survival mode with like crazy metal playing in the background. It was really cool. That sounds so freaking awesome. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, this game was just well done in every way. The story was great. It was one of the first games that I had played that was episodic. So yeah. you would play like the first level and it would be called episode one or chapter one or however their naming convention went. And you'd play it and you beat it, whatever. And then you go to episode two and they would actually recap what happened on episode one in case you went to work or were playing a couple weeks later so you can be caught up and then continue the story it was really cool um, i'm looking at that i'm looking at the screenshots right now it looks phenomenal even now to like now oh standards. yeah oh yeah it's a it's a great game they put a lot of care into it it's definitely one of those games that holds up in terms of at least as of right now for graphics yeah um it's just they did a lot of good texture work. And what was really cool uh, that I just kind of remembered is Alan Wake wrote for a Twilight Zone-inspired television show. So, like, in the middle of this, like, crazy nightmare that you're going through, you can go to certain TVs and turn them on and watch a part of that episode that he wrote with, like, actual real actors no in it. Yeah, it was cool. really fucking cool. And um, you start to see, like, little security feeds and little episodes where he's in it. 
and he doesn't remember being in it. So there's a lot of cool, like, fucking with you kind of stuff like that. And the it has one of those, I won't say what the ending is, just in case people want to go and play it, but it has one of those endings that kind of leaves it up in the air. You don't know, you still don't know if he's crazy or if this is actually going on. And he just this very ominous ending, like, pan out that it ends with, which is awesome. I There are two DLC stories for it. Well, three if you count the arcade game. I hadn't played any of those. I'm actually going to go back at some point and play everything again. Uh, but I don't know if they sum up the story or not. But just the standalone game alone was well worth it. I remember getting that used and uh, paying out out of pocket full price for the DLC. And I don't regret a penny for it. Of it, it was just a fantastic, fantastic game. Um, and if anyone like Stephen King inspired stuff you should definitely check this game out i believe it's still up on steam right now oh. <laughs> you, can pro- you can probably find it for xbox 360 if anyone still it's has that it. system or yeah if anyone still has that system uh probably find it used for i would say for less than 20 bucks easy i don't know it's x I, one thing i do miss about the xbox 360 and i did get into the game no pun intended <laughs> really got into the game like very very late like i got back into gaming a year before the the next gen or current gen games came systems came out yeah and i bought my 360 from sergio and i got back into it and it's like i can see why so many people love their 360 because it was such a it has so much personality oh yeah you know it's like achievement unlocked it'll doo-doo. You know, like little little shit you do just gave it it gave it does gave it so much personality. And as much as I love my PS4, I don't feel like it has the same personality as the Xbox 360 did or does. Yeah, at least in in my opinion. And I don't think people would get rid of their Xbox 360s. I think they'll do with the classic the classic meme I saw where um, it just showed like a guy like pack. It's just like a a meme of like a guy putting his Xbox 360 back into the box for storage. And on the bottom, it just says, wake me when you need me. And I think it's, and I think it's pretty much that people put their, they didn't, no one got rid of their 360s. Anyone, anyone who loved it, by the way, put it, got rid of it. They just probably kept it and just packed it away for just in case there's a dull moment in like current gen systems. Oh, sure. Jump back to the 360 and just play it again just because the personality it has and the games on it were just, excuse me, beautiful. A lot of the games that came on the 360 were just beautiful. I mean, it was just part of that generation, but beautiful games. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, mine isn't even packed away. Mine's just sitting right next to my PS4. Just wait. My, I think my, mine too. my 360, yeah. I think, has gotten more use than my Xbox One. Which, just saying. <laughs> which says a lot about the 360. Sure. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic system. It was not overly priced, which was really cool. Uh, and it had a lot of great games, and the graphics are really on par. And that was like one. Of, I think that's what this generation of systems is missing. It's just like that personality to it. Like you make your own little avatar, and like you know, you log in, and he waves at you. He's like, "Hey, buddy." It's like, "Oh, hey, hey, digital Greg, what are you doing, man?" And it just you or know, like you, he just spins around and flies. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like when you go into a party, like you see all your avatars just hanging out and having a good time. You know, it was really cool. It had a lot of this like. This the this it had this theme of personality that it never deviated from, which was awesome, and that's what I think the PS4 is missing. That's what I think the Xbox One is missing. Even the Xbox One doesn't even use the avatars. It's a really, really? weird. Yeah, like that you can sucks. still you can still edit it and make it and stuff, but like yeah, it they don't they don't rely on it anymore. It's not like their metaphor, which was 
really unfortunate. And I, and I think why the Xbox one kind of faltered for me and, you know, everyone that I know pretty much, um, went for PS4 and, and kind of skipped out on Xbox one, but I don't know. It was just, I think they missed the mark on it, which kind of sucked, but you know, it is what it is. Um, Dave, if there yep. was, if there was a horror game that you, is there a horror game that you wanted to play and you never got a chance to? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I played them all, but I don't really think I've missed anything. I think most of it is I wish I played it with a bigger crowd of people, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the games you play now, or even games in the past, like, you played with a crowd of people. By that, I mean, it's like, even though I'm the only one playing in my room, sitting there playing um, Red Dead Redemption... Everybody's mm-hmm. playing Red Dead Redemption. Sure. You know? So we yeah. all talk about it. Even though I'm the only one in my... Not that I have it. But even though I'm the only one that's playing like Metal Gear Solid The Phantom Pain in mm-hmm. my room. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is playing it so we can all talk about it. Mm. You know? Whereas a lot of the survival horror games, I've never really found that camaraderie. Unless it's people who are just as nuts as myself. You know? Yeah. Because you're right. It, you do, it does take a special type of crazy to play those games. Um, oh, yeah. so, so I just wish I had more of that, like, just, I didn't have to go to R Creepy or whatever on Reddit to actually talk about the horror games, you know? Mm. I wish it was more of, like, a main stage type of thing sometimes. Um, but as for what I wish I played and never got a chance to play, um, I would have to say I really wish I played the original Clock Tower. Okay. Because I played Clock Tower 2 or 3, I can't remember which one I played, um, but I really wish I played the original one just because it's a classic and also for its time for 16-bit it looked really really good I mean f- phenomenally good and the sound card was really good it was just like really really just amazing looking game for the time Um, but uh, I can't think of anything else I really think I missed out on oh you know what no not now I think of it and I have it too I just haven't played it yet um Dead Space and what's it called? Bioshock. Oh, dude, you have to play those games. They're and I have them so good. Yeah, I have them too. They're sitting like right in next to me right now, next to my Xbox, and it's just like you gotta jump into those. Yeah, I should really play those so I know what the fuck everyone's talking about. Yeah, well, specifically, so like, I don't even know which one I would play first if I were you. It's like maybe Bioshock because I think it's shorter, so then you could just play them both really quickly. Um, but they're just so, they're both great games in their own right too. Like Dead Space is your traditional survival horror game in space. Um, you know, very limited ammo, stuff like that. Really good scares in there. Really fucked up creature designs. It's great. And actually the best thing about Dead Space is after you go through and everything scares you, you get to have your revenge on them by playing New Game Plus. So you go through the same game with all of your upgrades from your first go around. Oh my god! It is—it's so good because you like go into this room and you know there's that monster that necromorph's gonna jump out of that vent and you just literally run up to it with your super like leveled up plasma cutter and you're just like come out of that goddamn vent I fucking dare you and you kill him with like one shot. It's so good. Um, and those enemies that give you a hard time the first go around are pretty much cake the second time around or even the third time around if you get through it. It is fantastic. Uh, versus Bioshock 
which is just a great story and a really ominous and creepy atmosphere with really memorable memorable characters. Like once you'll meet Andrew Ryan in that game and you will love him. He is just like Howard Hughes if he was not like you know hermit crazy if he was legit crazy. Ah. <laughs> yeah, if he was saying show me the blueprints and like killing dudes. Like that is the kind of crazy that, that... <laughs> he's stabbing someone, show me the blueprints. Show yeah. me the blueprints. Oh, man. Show me the blueprints. It's awesome. <laughs> and then there's other characters too. Like there's one guy I can't remember his name, but uh he has this obsession with puppets. It's fantastic. There's this theater level that's awesome. I think that's number one. I feel like that's number one. It might be number two, but I'm 90% sure it's number one. Um, and you really kind of get to like dive into, like, no pun intended, dive into this world um, without knowing what's going on. And the ending is just like masterfully crafted. And it's one of those things where like, I have nothing but good things to say about Bioshock and it like kills me because of like how irrational games has been acting lately. It's just very interesting. So what what makes me so sad, not sad, but like maybe makes me sad I missed out with all you guys playing it was that mm. I remember the first time I saw it, it was that when you guys all had the apartment back in school mm-hmm. and that was the first time I saw the game and it was like everybody had it set up on the couch and I forgot who, I don't know if it was you or Serge or Isaac, somebody was playing it and they turned it on for the first time. And I saw it for the first time, I think, with all you guys or whoever was playing it. And it was just like nuts and how cool it looked. And it actually scared me. Like watching you guys, even though there was people around us, mm. I was actually a little like scared watching it. I'm like, this looks fucking scary as shit, you know? And yeah. I just never got a chance to play it after that. Ever. Well, it's one of those games that at the beginning of it's pretty scary, but then you get acclimated to the environment. It, it stops being a lot really scary after that. Like, whenever you see a big daddy, you know you're going to be fucking you know, for a challenge. The first couple of times is hectic, but you get into this, like, mode where it kind of stops being crazy. It stops being so scary, and you just, like, get used to it, which is actually kind of creepy in and of itself. The fact that, like, the more you play this game, the more you get used to it, the scares just kind of stop happening because you know what's going to happen. And at that point, the game kind of realizes that and definitely starts going for a more narrative-heavy intrigue to play it. And the upgrades are a lot of fun, too. And what I think is is interesting about it is uh, Bioshock 2 tends to get a lot of flack because it wasn't the same studio that made it. And it was a lot of big cash in for 2K as they were just like, yeah, just put another Bioshock out and see what happens. But I actually enjoyed it a lot because towards the end of the game uh, for Bioshock 2, you get to play as a little sister, which is awesome. You get to see how they see the world. And they don't see this world of rapture That's as cool. this decaying death like environment. They see it as it was when it was first made. Bright lights, people uh, dressed in fancy attire, laughing about politics and drinking wine and eating cheese and just being snobs all around. They don't think anything has changed. Their perception of reality is so warped. And that's really creepy in and of itself. So if anyone kind of skipped Bioshock 2 because they're like, oh, well, it wasn't as good. Yeah, it wasn't as good as the first one. It's not as good as Infinite, but it's definitely worth a playthrough just to see how the little sisters perceive the world of Rapture. It is just, 
I mean, it's all worth a play a playthrough, and especially if you want to get the whole story, you want to kind of dive into those. Um, for me, the game that I want to play, and I also have it as well. I just haven't installed it. I bought it on a Steam sale. It's this game, um, and I don't. I've only seen a couple of videos of it. it. The idea intrigued me, so I ended up picking it up. Picking it up. It's called Among the Sleep. And it's a game based on what I can tell by the screenshots in the video where you play a little boy. He's maybe five years old at most. And his journeys walking around his house at night and how it warps into this like hell world, hell world kind of thing. And how it's like, you know, his whimsical dreams. It is also nightmares from hell. So... I, I remember, like, I don't know how I remember, but I remember, like, you know, sneaking out of bed at night and trying to sneak downstairs and play Nintendo without my parents, like, waking up and realizing it. And my biggest fear was, like, the creaks in the house and the way the house kind of settled at night and you could hear everything a lot clearer. Or you hear, like, someone talking outside and it could be across the street or in another yep. house and it sounds like it's, like, right next to you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And... When I was a kid, I always had this like weird feeling, and it passed over time. But I always had this weird feeling when I turned the certain corner of my house that like something was watching me. But it was because my living room, or not my living room, my dining room, is so dark that you couldn't see anything, anyways. So it's just like that absence of light really creeped me out, and I would always like bang a Yui and like try to get in the kitchen as quickly as I could so I can get to the uh, the family room so I could play play Mario at one o'clock in the morning when I should be sleeping because I'm fucking five or six years old. Um, but it's the design of this really seems to capture that whole feel of sneaking out of bed at night and what could have gone horribly wrong. I don't know if this is going to actually happen. I yeah, again, I've yet to play it, but just the idea behind it and the screenshots that I've seen and some of the videos seem really fucking cool. Um, so I really want to dive into that. And maybe I will at some point. I mean, it's just sitting in my Steam library along with like 200 and something other games that are just chilling there. But uh, it definitely was something that grabbed me. And it's it's not like a major game either. I believe it's a small studio that made it, which is really cool. Kind of like uh, Five Night at Freddy's. Have you heard? Have you seen anything about that, Dave? I've, I've heard about it. And I've looked. I've seen like screenshots, of like a little teddy bear thing, whatever. But yeah. I've never played it. I've never seen anything really about it. I have no idea what it's about. Oh, man. So I, I get to play them. I'm just going to say this. I watch a lot of YouTube videos about it because there's a lot of story behind it that is not... We have to read between the lines. They don't actually come out and say a lot of the story. So the whole thing is in all these games, except for the fourth one, which deviates from the formula, uh, you play a security guard that takes that is pretty much in charge of a Chuck E. Cheese during the midnight hours so it's a freddy fast bears and first of all yeah fuck that yeah noise i would never do that job being a, a min, working midnight hour at chuck e cheese yeah i can already see where this is going please continue <laughs> so you you play you, and you don't ever leave your security office but the doors are always open and you have to survive i think it's five nights i feel like i don't know why it's probably five nights you have to survive nights um and not get killed by the possessed animatronics 
So, and you, you survive and you hear these audio recordings and you get paid and stuff like that. And through all of these small informations, a lot of the fans on Reddit and YouTube and all that stuff, they were able to figure out this whole hidden story inside Five Nights at Freddy's. It is fucking ridiculous. So there's a lot of theories where you you play like you're I think you're different security guards during each of the iterations during one, two and three. Um, and I think on the first one, you play the security guard who ended up killing kids. So the whole thing is there's these kids that died somehow in Freddy Fazbear's and it's said that their spirits haunt the animatronics. And the I guess one of the one of the interpretations is you're the security guard and you're the guy who actually like molested and killed these kids and stuffed their bodies inside the animatronics. So that's why their souls are like stuck in there. It's fucked up. It's really fucked up. Um Yeah. But um. it, it all takes place <laughs> it all takes place during like a couple years and it does that whole thing where it's like the actual chronological time is not or order is not the order in which the games were released. So I think it goes uh, I want to say three, one, two, and then four. I feel like, like I don't know. I never played them. I just remember like, I, I've watched a lot of videos and I've read a lot about it. But it just is this really cool like game. And there's a lot of mini games in it um, that really break the fourth wall a lot. So there's a mini game where you can kind of see this like shadow figure abduct these kids and then take them in a back room and kill them. And then there's a mini game where if you lose on it, it just crashes the whole Five Nights at Freddy game itself. It's fucking crazy. Why? But why? <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's just like absurd and like there's a lot of thought that went into it. And I think the fourth one takes place in someone's house that just like owns like some memorabilia from Freddy Fazbear's. So it's, it deviates a little bit from it. Um, and instead of having power to control the security doors. Because you essentially sit in this room and you have to watch these security cameras to find out where Freddy and all of the other animatronics are. And if they get near you, you just hold the security doors down until they run away. But you only have a certain amount of power to generate to use the security doors. So you can't use it all up. You have to kind of like be, you know, efficient with your door usage, essentially. And there's this whole other like hidden thing with Golden Freddy and stuff like that. Um, and it's just one of those games that just like looks really fucking creepy. I've yet to play it. I'm going to wait for them all to go on like super sale. Cause I don't really see myself paying more than a dollar per chapter just based on the gameplay and stuff like that. But it's really fucking cool. And actually the origin behind five nights at Freddy is pretty funny too. So the guy who made it, uh, made this educational, like wholesome, um, game for kids that taught him like good values and stuff like that. And it had characters that looked similar to animatronic animatronic animals and everyone creeped out by him. And they kept on like panning the game because they're like, man, these like critters trying to teach me values are creeping the shit out of me. I can't fucking like let my kids play this. They'll get scared. So then he took the same character designs and put it in an actual horror game and it took off and it did really well. So that's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's actually pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of cool, like, indie horror games that don't get a lot of attention which is a shame because they put a lot of effort into it just not in the necessary the visuals you know 
there was another game. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it was for PSP. Uh, I believe it was on PS4 as well. But the it had like eight bit graphics, and you just kind of it's kind of like Silent Hill with eight bit side scroller. But the sound design on it was so good. It was just like you play it with headphones and you got creeped out like immediately. It was really fucking cool. Um, uh, so, yeah. um, I have a secret question for you that I just thought of, actually. Oh, there we go, because I don't have a secret question at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> actually, so. I have a pretty good secret question. I just thought of it right now when you were bringing up, like, when you talked about how the Finite Set Freddy was created. Yeah. So, how would you create a survival horror story? If you Ooh. were, like, because you are a game, you did do some indie game design. Okay? Yep, yep. So let's say you can either do it indie, the indie way or lots of money way, you know, mm-hmm. mainstream way. How would you design a survival horror game? What would the story be? What would the game mechanics be? This, what would your survival horror game be? So actually, um, I tried to do a survival horror kind of style game for a portfolio and I never finished it. And the idea was actually very similar to PT. Where it was, because I don't know a lot of, I don't know like any real programming. Like I could probably fake my way around a couple things, but I, I couldn't like design it or write an entire game. So it was very minimalist. It was very like going through, kind of like Gone Home a little bit too, where you just go through a very creepy environment and the design of it is so messed up. And so crazy and it doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, when you go in a dream and you go from one room to another and it's just a completely different like world. Yeah. It would have a lot of that to it. And it'd be some puzzles, stuff like that. Um, and all you have is a shotgun with three bullets. And a lot of enemies. So you have to be like stingy with your bullets too. So, like, a lot of it is, like, you'd have to, like, outthink the enemy, but at the same time, like, don't know where they are, and you don't know what each room, each different room would have a different enemy. And a shotgun shot would kill that enemy immediately, but it's 15 rooms, and you only have three bullets. And there's there's no way to get extra ammo. I'd probably put in some, like, secret areas with, uh, like, a couple extra shots or something in there, just so, like, if you do the extra homework, you get rewarded. But that's it. And it would be permadeath. So you die and you have to start all the way from the beginning. You just can be like a complete dick with it. And it's like when you get to like the last room and you kill the last guy, you find a box of like 18 shells. Oh, so yeah, that's what I would do too. So you get to the last room, you get to the last guy, you find a box um, and it has, oh, yeah, there's two boxes. One of them will have extra ammo. One of them has a key. You, if you pick the box with a key, you have a door right in front of it. So you go through the door and you're back at the first level. And you have to do it all over again. But this time oh. the room, the rooms are in random order. Oh. And the and the bosses uh, are all mixed up too. I'm not going to lie, Greg. I would play the shit out of that. That sounds <laughs> phenomenal. I would definitely play it. That just sounds like... That's everything that you would need in a survival horror game. It's like the pu- the puzzle playability, you know what I mean? Yep. Shit thrown in there to fuck with you. And kind of like what I really liked about uh, The Evil Within. Um, mm. The only one thing I loved about The Evil Within that I loved about it was the fact that ammo was scarce and every bullet meant something. Yes. You know, and that's exactly what this has. And you only have three shells 
and that's all you got. So you really, 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 really have to either A, avoid everybody or kill one thing if you have to, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. That is, oh my god, I'd play, I would play the shit out of that. And I would probably, if there's a multiplayer component too, I would do what we were talking about on Sunday. And like you are in one part of the room, or you're on one end and like I'm on the other. And you just have to like make your way to each other. And what you do in each room affects the other room too. So you could either like help me out or hurt me by accident by what you do. So I would even add the extra component where each of each of us would have three shotgun shells, but if you use it, it actually fucks over the other person. So you'd have to coordinate with that. Uh, what about you, Dave? How would you design? So, as much I, I've always been a fan of um, World War Two first-person shooters, mm-hmm. you know, or any video game that takes place in World War Two, and just I've always liked that. Not really what happened but just like just that point in history like the like the first time we really really could see a mechanized warfare and just it was a really a fight between good and evil it literally that's what world war ii was you know mm. and just you know i was always like fascinated by like the weaponry and what you know like that like what the gis were using and all that stuff so i would love to put a survival horror game where you play as a gi or even as a group of them, three of them, like in like Nazi Germany or just in Europe during World War Two, but it's almost like a zombie infestation, but with those types of weapons, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's no super automatic anything or whatever. It's like you're using like your classic like M14 or whatever the whatever the GIs use, you know, like the single shot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're fighting like that, and um, and there's still a story involved. You know, it's not just like you know, left for dead. You're just in here with zombies and that's it. No, you're just you and maybe two other guys. And you can actually choose between guys and who you want to choose. You know, let's say like per level, you can pick like which guy you want to play as. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's like co-op where it's like almost like destiny where you just pick that character and you stick with that character and their weapons and whatnot. And other friends can join in as their characters with their weapons to help you out. Mm-hmm. But you're in Nazi Germany. You've been s- separated from your unit. And you find yourself in the middle of like the zombie infestation happening in 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 occupied co- countries in during World War Two. Oh God! And maybe it has something to do with like maybe like this is like they're part of. And I'm stealing a little bit from um, Nazi zombies from like Call of Duty. Sure, yeah. But I mean, I'm actually stealing a lot. But um, <laughs> there's like a super soldier thing going on. What whatever you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And while doing experiments with like people like in concentration camps, they accidentally made this zombie virus thing you know and of course it's spread and i'll make it kind of like in like classic zombie movies where or even like walking dead or like night living dead where you don't have to be bit to be infected you're just infected Mm. so you'll get part there'll be parts where you're actually like fighting real like human like other like nazis you kill them and if you don't shoot them in the shoot them in the face they get back up and now they're zombies oh god you know and make it also where like Bullets are scarce, and have you make it where like what if, uh, certain decisions you make in the first stage affect what happens later. So if you pick up a certain like gun, you want to stick with that gun through the entire game. You best hope you find ammunition for that gun, you know, through the mm. entire game if you want to hold on to it. And you can maybe only have like two weapons, like you know, or like a side, you know, like, make it realistic where you can only carry so much. 
and make it story where you get to a part like in one town where the town's completely like boarded up and people are in their homes terrified of the zombie horde and you have to get into that town for whatever reason and convince the people there in there that you're not trying to kill them and you're not a zombie well they're trying to kill you because they're trying to survive you know mm. so it's basically the story of this one guy or this group of guys just trying to survive World War 2 in the final days when there's a zombie infestation damn that's good. That's cool. I like that. Um, something that I just thought of too, as you were talking, uh, with with my idea, slightly adjust that and make it you're inside the mind of your character, and you have to figure out who your character is based on journal entries that are in each room, or like how the decor is. So you would play through it, and then you would like find out that like you're in hell and you're actually like a child molester. So, like, the final enemy would be, like, what your, or that character's nightmare would be. Which is probably, like, you know, that creepy uncle that molested him or something like that. And that's what started it or whatever. Or, like, if you were a Nazi a shoulder, a, gee, God, I can't talk, shoulder, Nazi soldier, you would go through, like, a concentration camp, like, really quickly with, like, you know, arms coming out of mass graves trying to pull you oh down my into God. it. Yeah. Shit like that. Like, real kind of disturbing stuff. When, like, you see faces and they don't have eyes, they just have, like, burning charcoal as eyes and mouths and stuff like that. Like, that would be fucking crazy. But, like, yeah, like, World War II is one of those... It's just, like, the war of nightmares, I feel like, you know? Yeah, it really is, because it was, like, a war in the streets. Like, it wasn't like it was a far-off battlefield. Like, yeah. It was, like, in people's homes, in, yeah. like, alleyways. It was, like, a modern war. The first modern war, really, you know? Yeah. One of the few, one of the few things where, like, the sequel outdid the original, you know? Oh, sure. like, yeah. <laughs> the Toy Story 2 of war, World Wars... Pretty much, and again, and I, I keep on thinking like what you what you just said right now just thought made me think of a scene that would be great to have where it's like it's you and your two guys, you know, mm. part of the story, and you're you're walking in a dark field now, mm-hmm. so you just left the town, whatever. Oh sure. And you find a concentration camp, you mm-hmm. know, and everyone in there, soldier and you know, and, and people were like, and people are being held against their will, are zombies. Now you don't have to go through it; you just have to go around it. But just having to go around while them other while they're behind like the gates, like trying to like get at you and making the noise, the zombie noises and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And maybe you get to one part where the gates kind of like weak and the gate breaks open. And they all start like running after you. Yeah. You know, just or you just get to a point where it's like it's not really meant for you to go there, but they're just like behind a gate or behind a wall, and you can hear them. You know, or you can see them like walking around like in a building, like by like you know like. Light explosion from light. You can actually see like them like show up like in the window, mm. and you don't have to go into that room. You don't have to go into that flat. You don't have to go into that building, but you know they're there and they're trying to get to you from that building. Damn. Just like little like stuff like that, and I don't know if I would make it like first person or over the shoulder. Maybe over the shoulder because I've always liked that style a little better. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, just that. Maybe just for fun, you do find a tank and just drive around it just for shits and giggles. <laughs> that's the new game plus mode you just drive over everything and tank. yeah just just that there's no no ammunition no nothing you're just in a tank and you drive in it that's awesome except for if ghosts happen then you can't run over ghosts yeah yeah that's how they get you <laughs> um a notable mention uh before actually i thought of a secret question but a notable mention for a horror game for me would be the last of us um and it's something oh. like 
we didn't talk about it on the preview and actually we didn't talk about it during our post-apocalyptic podcast either and yeah. one of my buddies was like i can't believe you didn't talk about that um but it's just something i want to kind of just mention uh it's a fantastic game it's the best game that was on PlayStation 3. It's on PlayStation 4 now. And if you have not played it, you fucking need to. There's no excuse. Go to your GameStop. Go to your Best Buy. Go on Groupon. Groupon always has a digital code for like 20 bucks. Like, uh, like I don't know why. But you could have The Last of Us on your system for the rest of your life for 20 bucks. That's a fucking steal. I bought that game like as soon as I knew they were going to do the remaster edition for PS4. Yep. I think I bought it that same day as soon as it came out. I didn't even put like a. I don't think I even like pre-ordered it. I just bought it as soon as I got the chance. Yep. And oh my god, it was just so beautiful and just how it starts. It's like. Oh yeah. Oh god, that that opening scene is like so fucking scary, dude. And it's just, so scary and it's so heartfelt and it's so and like, so real. You're like yeah. in the car and all this stuff's happening and then it gets to the end, like gets to that point where. Yeah, you know what I mean, and it's yep. just like, why am I playing this? Like, yeah, why did that, you do this to me? What happened to Uncharted? Come on, yeah. yeah, it's like one of those games where like every single level I had to stop and smoke a cigarette, and I don't even smoke. Yeah, you know, just because the crap they would put you in, or when you're hiding and you have to get past the infected, and just oh yeah, and just hearing someone scream that infected just make your butthole tighten up. You know, like yeah. oh god, where are they? Yeah. I only have like four bullets. That's great. You know? Yep. I got it's four bullets. Good. Four four bullets, a bottle, and a shank. That's all I got. I guess I'm sneaking around all the zombies. Yeah. Uh, and the multiplayer mode on that was really good, too. Yeah. I, I, I barely played the multiplayer mode, but from what I played, I really liked it a lot. Just It was the same thing. Just... Yeah, you could go run and gun and shoot everybody, but just sneaking around, doing the exact same stuff, just sneaking around, yep. coming up behind someone and just yoking someone out. Yep. But um, oh, oh my god, such a glorious game! It's one of those other another one of those games where you could almost go through the entire game without interacting with anything if you wanted to. Yeah. To a to a degree, to a degree, but oh my god, I. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I'm so glad you did. Just, oh, God, such a beautiful game. Yeah. Uh, another notable mention for me would be The Walking Dead Telltale series. Um, if anyone hasn't played that, I've only played season one. I have season two, but I have it on PS4, so I have to play season one again so that I can import my save into season two. Um, but it's fantastic. Dave, if you haven't played season one of The Walking Dead, you need to play that game. It's, so how does it how do the Telltale game, games work exactly? So like, the Telltale games are what I would say the equivalent of uh, choose your own adventure video game. It's not an action game by any means. It's more like have you played Mass Effect, Dave, or seen it be played? Um, I've seen it be played, but I haven't played it yet. You know how when you when like you've seen like the dialogue options, right? Like you talk to someone, oh, you could yeah. choose what you say. Yeah. So yeah, that's absolutely. that's pretty much ninety percent of The Walking Dead is you play this main character his name is escaping me right now i don't know why uh but you have to you have to protect this little girl named clementine and you find her in the beginning her parents are dead and you just kind of like wander around trying to survive with her and other people um and you, the way you interact with people, the way you choose things, stuff like that, if you choose one way or the other, if you stay neutral, it all affects the outcome of how people treat you, how the story progresses. 
stuff like that. Uh, the Walking Dead Telltale series season one. The first episode was okay. Like it didn't really grab me. But after the big reveal in the second episode, I was just like, fuck, I'm going I'm playing all of these from the rest of my life from now on. Like the way the story is told, the voice acting is very well done. They get a lot of uh, big names in there in the Telltale stuff. And you really end up caring for these characters to the point where like the ending of the whole season one like had me in tears. It was like so well crafted. And I actually like the games more than I like the book and more than I like the TV show. I have to say, Greg, that's a bold statement because I'm you're from for as long as I've known you, you're not a man known to cry much. Yeah, you know. Well, by tears, I mean like I had like the single one that went down my cheek. Same difference, though. Yeah, you know, as opposed to me, I cry when like a dog whimpers at me. <laughs> you know, just a puppy, so beautiful. But you, it's like, yeah, I am Greg. I am stoic. I will not show emotion. Yeah, it's, it's it, here. You say that s- says a lot, dude. You got to play those games. I, I they're on PlayStation Four. I don't know. How, I think it's twenty five bucks for the season, and if you find them on sale, get them. They're really well done, um, and like all Telltale stuff is really well done. They did Tales from the Borderlands, which I played episode one and two of, and they're fucking awesome. Actually, episode one is free on um, iOS right now. So really, yeah, mm. I th- I think it's free on other formats <laughs> too, but I know for sure on iOS because uh, I downloaded that today. Which is really cool. God, that's another game I have to finish and beat. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I got I was like getting so hardcore into it, and then I just like stopped playing for whatever reason. Not because I got bored, but because um, yeah. Well, I, I think, think we all stopped playing too. Like we all kind of yeah. jumped back into Destiny, and all that stuff kind of happened. And Batman took over. And Batman, yeah, Batman definitely took over. Um, before we end off, I did think of a secret question. Finally, so we're gonna have double secret secret question tonight. Um, Double fisting. And again, it's a it's another creation question. Dave, if you were to create your own nightmare monster, what would it be? Okay. So, do you ever watch the movie Jacob's Ladder? Uh, no, but I've heard of it. So, and I'm so glad I never saw this ever in, in, in Silent Hill because I never would have played. But they used to have like these monsters whatever I don't know what to call them but they're like demons in the movie mm-hmm. and what they would do is they would shake their head like really really quick so the rest of their body moved normally but their head would just always be shaking around and moving so you can never see their face their face was a blur mm. and whenever I see that shit in anything it just scares the fuck out of me you mm-hmm. know no matter what I, it could be any movie it could be just something that has like a quick scare whatever mm-hmm. when I see that it scares me so my nightmare creature would be just like a normal okay so Kind of like humanoid body stands like you know upright you know, mm-hmm. uh, ugh, ugh. so <laughs> very very thin long fingers pale kind of mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but their faces moves like you can't see what their face looks like it's always like shaking moving around whatever, mm-hmm. and when it does that it makes kind of like a weird like meat crunching sound like okay. as they like walk towards you, yeah, and it just kind of like moves at you like it's missing frames of animation. Hmm. That would be my my ultimate like just just ugh. it scares me. I know like it's kind of hard to visualize, but like I can visualize it actually really well. Yeah, just That's something that's just like like very just very tall, paley skin and just long fingers, almost not really like claws, but just 
freakishly long and just head just moves around a lot and shakes everywhere and just moves at you. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Mine's similar. Mine is, uh, you know, biped human, humanoid. Um, you can never see any of his features, though. Like, he's, he's like, yeah, kind of skinny, but he's not like the Slender Man or anything like that. He's just like a average build. Um, tall, though. Really tall. Like, maybe six and a half, seven feet. Like a tall guy. Uh, and whenever you try to concentrate on any part and you try to, like, make, try to visualize a description of him, he shifts. So if he's like a certain color, you look and as soon as your brain acknowledges what that color is, it'll shift to another color. And he never actually moves normally. Like if he turns around, his his limbs just like contort to that so he'll be sideways, if that makes sense. So instead of turning like yeah. a normal human being, like his body will always kind of stay. It'll just like morph into the direction in which he wants to go. Um, It is when you, if you were to touch it, it would be made of like... I don't know, like a sludge kind of thing. Um, cold to the touch, except when you like really, if you were to like put your fist through it, it would be cold in the exterior, but like hot in the interior. And um, sometimes you could see its eyes. Like when it opens its eyes, you know you're fucked. And it has telekinesis, so you can't run. Because why not? Because, <laughs> yeah, because fuck you, you're not going anywhere if this thing shows up. Um, and Have you it, ever heard of? Um, oh, go on. No, I was gonna say, and it moves really fast. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> There's like this thing online. I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's like the Society of whatever. Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but people. It's kind of like a creepy pasta where people get to like submit stories or whatnot. And it's about like this. Um, remember Cabin in the Woods? Yep. Remember how they kept all those monsters like behind glass and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. It's a facility that holds like all these like cursed items or monsters or beings mm. or shit like that. Mm-hmm. And basically, what you're reading is like reports and files made by agents about said monster, or said creature. Mm. You know, like one of which, and I'm sure you've seen like pictures of it everywhere. It's probably the most popular one, just because it's like kind of like spooky looking. Is um, it looks like a bruised alien standing in the corner of a garage or something like that. Mm. And it's like really, really big. But anyway, what the story is is um. When people come to check on it, when agents go to check on it, it has to be two at a time. And someone always has to be looking at it. Kind of like a, one of the, what's it called? the um, oh, like the angels and Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, So someone always has to be looking at it. And you basically, when you're going to feed it, because you're going to feed it, because it doesn't move, it just stays in the corner. Mm-hmm. So both people look at it. One always has to stay staring at it. You walk in, you give it the tray of food, and you both walk back away while you're closing the door. Mm-hmm. And basically, you have to basically keep looking at it as you close the door or else it'll kill you. Something like that was one of them. Another story was there's like a key that's cursed. And the mm-hmm. key has to be held by a certain type of like string made of silver or some shit like that like off like off the floor. Because mm-hmm. whatever the key, key touches, dust becomes cursed and kills you by the touch. Okay. So if it lands like on a table, the entire table becomes like a different like color of rust and then the table's cursed and anything that touches it thus dies hmm. you know or there's like another one where like you never whatever it is you don't remember you looked at it so you can send five people into the room to like and there's like certain procedures like you have to like you can hear it you can talk to it but you can't look at it because then you forget what it is and then it escapes so when agents go in there they have to be staring at the ground or the office staring at the ground the same time to feed it clean it whatever they can't look directly at it and then walk away 
But even when they walk away and don't look at it, they don't remember what it is. But they know mm. it's in the room and it stays there. It's like you look it up. It's I forget what it's called, but every single one has like a file number. It doesn't have a name, but it says file or subject C four seven seven eight dash twelve. You know, mm. and they describe like where they found it, what it does, how agents have to care for it, how they have to clean it, prepare like all this crazy shit. And people get to basically um, submit like one of these cursed items, mm-hmm. you know. And some of them are really creepy. Some of them are actually kind of funny, like just like weird shit like that. And like one time, I wanted to submit my idea was um, it's basically like a teddy bear, you know. Mm-hmm. And it belonged to like the Rus- the Russian czar when they're kids, and it got cursed, mm-hmm. but not cursed in the way you think. It grants wishes, but without any drawbacks. But it'll grant wishes in the form of a child, you know. Oh. So let's say you wish someone was dead. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be dead. You just would never see them ever again. Hmm. So they're not really dead. They're just, you know, they're just sure. not around you. They move away or they go to another coast or they just never see them again. Or maybe you move away. That's what, how they're dead. Sure. You know, or you wish to be like the richest man in the world, you know, it'll be in the terms of a child, you know what a child would deem as being rich, you know, or being wealthy. And it's like having $200. Yeah. <laughs> having $200 or maybe just not having debt, you know, or just yeah, everything taken care of for you. You know, you're not necessarily rich, but you don't have to worry about anything anymore. Sure. You know, and that's basically what this does. But at the same time, you could do a lot of bad things with it mm. as a child would. Like, I wish you would break your legs, you know, or, I wish, you know, like any, like a child would wish for something equally as bad. Yeah. You know, like I wish it would just fly off in the space. Well, all right, you know. Yeah. And that's the one. I never got a chance to submit it because I never really finished the idea and I never was able to find this. I mean, I'm sure a quick Google search will do it, but mm. I was never really able to find like this like thing again. But it's really cool. I recommend to you or anybody look it up and some of the stories you read of like the, the cursed items or the cursed things that are in there are kind of like, Fantastic. Hmm. Hmm. Kind of like you'd be like, I wish to be a successful actor, and then you turn it to Mark Hamill. We did it. We yeah. did it. Ah! We did it. And down to the wire too, because that that's time. That's what we got. Oops. That's Yay! it. We yeah, survived. That's it. We survived. We did it. We did it without Surgeon Casey. I didn't oh think we could, but we did. The two of us did it. All right. We did it. All right. Oh my now, god. We could do anything now. Woo-hoo, we're um, gods. <laughs> we are gods. So, everyone, thanks for tuning in to the 22nd issue of the Bad Carry Funky Podcast. Uh, tonight we talked about horror games. We hope you enjoyed it, as was just Dave and I again. Um, tune in every Thursday night live at 9.30-ish Eastern Standard Time as we talk about the things you care about and so much more. Uh, be sure to remember to tune in also on Friday when we upload that podcast, including this one, on Friday afternoon-ish. And we also do our preview podcasts or on Sunday, which usually go up live on Monday. So remember to listen on the previews to hear what we're going to talk about on the actual podcast. I'll give you guys a huge spoiler. Next week, we're talking about New York Comic Con, obviously. Like there's, there's no Aww. way we're, we're there's no way we're not. So <laughs> I know um, Dave, you're going. Serge is going to be there. I believe Casey's going as well. And Amber, I believe, went today, and I think she's going for the rest of the weekend as well. Yeah, I so, think so. Also, so hopefully we'll have her back on. If not, we'll at least have you three guys being able to share your stories, what you thought was cool, stuff like that about New York Comic Con. 
Uh, until next time, everyone, this has been the Beater Man's Dave. I don't even know what I'm going to say now. And I'm Booster Greg. I don't know anything scary besides that sound. I guess you could do Psycho. Uh, until next time, we will see you next time. Or we will see you never.